Genesis 48, Jacob blesses Ephraim and Manasseh. After this, Joseph was told, Behold, your father is ill. So he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And he was told to Jacob, Your son Joseph has come to you. Then Israel summoned his strength and sat up in bed. And Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you, and I will make of you a company of peoples and will give this land to your offspring and after you for an everlasting possession. And now your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt, before I came to you in Egypt, are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine, as Reuben and Simeon are. And the children that you fathered after them shall be yours. They shall be called by the name of their brothers in their inheritance. As for me, when I came from Paddan, to my sorrow, Rachel died in the land of Canaan, on the way when there was still some distance to go to Ephrath. And I buried her there on the way to Ephrath. That is Bethlehem. When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, Who are these? Joseph said to his father, They are my sons, whom God has given me here. And he said, Bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age, so that he could not see. So Joseph brought them near him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face, and behold, God has let me see your offspring also. Then Joseph removed them from his knees, and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near him. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was, young, who was the younger, and his left hand on the head of Manasseh, crossing his hands, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys. And in them, let my name be carried on, and the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. And let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. When Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it, de- it displeased him. And he took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, Not this way, my father, since this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you, Israel will pronounce blessings, saying, God make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh, Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I am about to die, but God will be with you and will bring you again to the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to you rather than to your brothers one mountain slope that I took from the hand of the Amorites with my sword and with my bow. This is God's word. 
Thank you, Samantha, for reading the scripture for us. Whenever a sermon is preached, two things happen. One, the congregation listen and take notes. The other is the preacher takes note of the congregation to see if they are listening. So to test your alertness, may I say good morning, everyone? Yeah, you passed the test. Trust that you are ready for God's Word this morning. My name is Tian Chai, and I serve as a staff elder overseeing member care ministry. I do have the opportunity to visit members at home and in hospital as well, and also to be with members during their bereavement, trusting that God will use my presence to bring comfort and encouragement to them during that difficult times. So much so that one member addressed me as funeral elder. True. But not because of my look, but because I make every effort to be with a bereaved family. But the hardest part for me in the ministry, I would say, is to see members during their last days. It may be a rather awkward question to start with this morning, but I wonder, have you ever imagined yourself in the final moments of your life? What do you think you would say and do? Think for a while. What might your last words and actions turn out to be? What will they reflect about you and the kind of impact will they have on your loved ones? This morning, we will be looking at the final moments in Jacob's life. Today's message is entitled, Finishing Well to the Glory of God. Before we dive into today's text, let me pray for us. Father, we want to humble before you at your feet, to listen to your word and to listen not because what we want to listen but to listen according what you want us to listen. Give us wisdom to understand and give us a hard desire to follow, to be doer, not just hearer. So Father, we commit every one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. We are almost finishing the book of Genesis Indeed, it is a book that speaks volume of God's grace throughout the lives of the patriarchs, namely Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We have seen God's mercy and grace on display in each of their sinful lives. We have also seen God's gracious sanctification works at work in each and every circumstance. Open your Bible to Genesis 48. There are Bibles in front of you, try to use it, avoid using the e-Bible. If you do not have any Bible at home, feel free to take it with you when you leave the sanctuary. As there will be no slide on the Bible verses that we are referring to this morning, leave your Bible open and follow along with me. The first verse of Genesis 48 and the last verse of Genesis 49 sets up the scenes for what is happening in these two chapters. Genesis 48 verse 1 tells us, After this, Jacob was told, Behold, your father is ill. 
So he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Turn to the next chapter, 49, verse 33. It says, When Jacob finished commanding his sons, he drew up his feet into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. In these two chapters, Moses slows things down and zooms in on Jacob's deathbed and records in detail the final moments of his life. Verse 2 says, And it was told to Jacob, Your son Joseph has come to you. Then Israel summoned his strength and sat up in bed. Imagine the struggling man trying to sit up. A dying man, all the strength he had just to sit up and speak. It does imply that what Jacob is about to say and do probably is of great importance to him. Moses devotes two chapters just recounting what happens at Jacob's deathbed, death and burial, the longest in the book of Genesis. As in the case of Jacob's forefather, Abraham and Isaac, nothing much was written about their dying moments except one statement. Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age. An old man full of years and was gathered to his people. And for Isaac, it was written, Isaac breathed his last and he died and was gathered to his people. Old and full of days. So much different, isn't it? The big idea for today's sermon is trust in the faithful God who graciously sanctifies us and finish well for His glory. The outline is divided into two sections. One, trust in the faithful God who graciously sanctifies us. Two, finish well for His glory. First, let's think about how we should trust in the faithful God who graciously sanctifies us. Let's recap on Jacob's past life. He deceived his brother, Esau's birthright blessing. As a husband, he let his two wives fight with one another over him. As a father, he didn't show any concern for his daughter, Dinah, who was raped. And he let his two sons, Simeon and Levi, to take revenge by killing all the males in Shechem. He, knows, he shows favoritism towards Joseph that leads to jealousy among the siblings. But what we see now in chapter 48, at the end of his life, is a different Jacob. Through his last words and actions, we see a Jacob who has been graciously sanctified by God throughout his life to become one, a man of faith who trusts and clings to God's promises. Two, a man who acknowledges God's grace and faithfulness. And third, a man who understands and submits to God's sovereign ways. Point one, a man of faith who trusts and clings to God's promises. Verse one says, after this, referring to what has happened before this. Last week we heard from Mark that Jacob was about to die and how he asked his son Joseph to take an oath to carry him out of Egypt and bury him in the land of Canaan. 
even at an old age, Jacob remembers and trusts in God's promises. Verses 3 and 4 says, And Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you, and I will make of you a company of peoples and will give this land to your offspring after you for an everlasting possession. When the people of Shechem pursued Jacob and his family in Genesis 35, God told Jacob to go to Luz. It is at this place which later Jacob named Battle that God gave this promise to Jacob. And it also echoes closely to Isaac's blessing on Jacob in Genesis 28, verse 3. God assured Jacob of his promises made to his forefathers and now to him. Jacob trusts in God's promises and he clings to God's promises. Not only that, he blesses Joseph's son, including them in those blessings. This is a sign of Jacob's faith as written for us in Hebrew 11 verse 21. says, By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of, his, each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. Jacob's blessings thus demonstrate his hope and faith in God for the future. What about us today? What can we learn? God has given us countless promises through His Word. For example, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Lamentations 3, verses 22 and 23, which was read for us in today's call to worship. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Are we like Jacob? Those struggles with sins and lives, rough patches. He clings to God's promises. Some of us here may be struggling to cope with dysfunctional families, children's discipline, difficult marriage, strained relationships within family or even church, health issues, or even our personal walk with God. Life seems to be in a mess and simply not going in the way God desires it to be. Beloved, do not be discouraged. God loves and cares for us wherever we are in this season of life. Whether high or low point, He will not abandon us or leave us to struggle on our own. God gives us promises so that we may go through our struggles in life. Just like Jacob, you can trust and you can cling to God's promises. Not just once, but every moment of your life. Now, the list of God's promises can go on and on. The question we need to ask ourselves is this. When I am struggling with issues in my life, can I say with full conviction that I can trust in God's promises? Even at times, it doesn't make sense to our human mind. 
God's promises should not be just captured in our mind, but also in our heart, so that it will shape and guide us as we go through life's challenges. Though we may fail, God will never fail. Though we may be faithless in trusting those promises, God will always be faithful to keep His promises. Point number two, Jacob is a man who acknowledges God's grace and faithfulness. Let me read verse 11. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face. And behold, God has let me see your offspring also. Here, Jacob expresses deep thankfulness and gratitude for the way God chose to bless him. He didn't expect to be able to see Joseph, for he presumed his son Joseph was dead. Jacob even got to kiss and embrace his grandchildren, who now become his sons. What a joy is it, it is. Jacob experiences and acknowledges God's grace in his life, things that he didn't ask or deserve to have. Jacob acknowledges the gift of grace and more importantly he acknowledges the giver of all grace like Jacob we too are recipients of God's grace but sometimes we do take it for granted don't we? our words and actions do not express that gratitude and thankfulness due to God also we tend to focus on the things we do not have and overlook how much God in His grace has already given to you. Let's move on to verses 15 and 16. It says, And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys. And in them let my name be carried on, and the name of my fathers are Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. In verse 15, the word shepherd is used here for the very first time in the Bible. Jacob knows very well what the shepherd is and the relationship between a shepherd and sheep. Jacob himself was a shepherd tending to his father-in-law Laban's sheep for 14 long years. He guides, protects, and feeds his sheep. Now he's able to acknowledge God as shepherd because he experiences the unrelenting protection, guidance, and the constant loving, tender care of God, his shepherd. Jacob has a relationship with this covenantal God, his shepherd. Let us be into another person's life who similarly addresses God as his shepherd. Let's turn to Psalm 23. In the Bible, it's page 428. <clears throat> I will read the first two verses, first four verses. 
Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When Jacob disobeyed and strayed from God's way, God the shepherd led him in path of righteousness. When Jacob ran away from Esau with fear and uncertainties, and when he and his family fled from the people of Shechem, God the shepherd protected and saved them from the enemies. Jacob could express, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil, for you are with me. When Jacob faces famine in Egypt, he could say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. God provided for him in Egypt plenty of greens and even a large land, Goshen. Jacob's testimony bears witness of God's grace and faithfulness in his life. As Christian, God will always be our shepherd. He is our faithful shepherd. To my friends here today who have yet to have this relationship that Jacob had with God, one of shepherd and sheep, in John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The Bible also tells us that we are like sheep that have gone astray from God's intended plan and purpose. Jesus laid down his life by dying on the cross and shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins so that you and I can come to God justified. He bore the punishment for our sins and took upon the wrath of God. But praise God. God raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus didn't just die and be buried, but on the third day, God raised Him so that whoever believes in Jesus should not perish but have everlasting life. My friends, to come to God, it is only by grace, through faith in Christ. There is no other way. Please talk to your friends who brought you here after the service or any one of us will be most happy to share more about the gospel truth. Point three, a man, <clears throat> a man who understands and submits to God's sovereign ways. Throughout the book of Genesis, it is common to read of the patriarchs giving blessings to their children. Giving blessings can be in the form of praying for someone's good or pronouncing God's promises. <clears throat> Thank you. Verses 8 to 20 depicts for us a scene of Joseph preparing his two sons Manasseh, the older son, and Ephraim, the younger one, in position for Jacob to bless. It is supposed to be a straightforward process. Verse 2 and verse 9 tells us, 
of God's, of Jacob's physical condition. Jacob is a man who is about to die with very little strength and he could not see. <clears throat> it was a cultural practice in those days that blessings will be passed on to the older over the younger. And everyone knows that. That includes Jacob and Joseph. The right hand <clears throat> is commonly associated with preference, power and strength. In helping his father Jacob to follow what is normally practiced, Joseph was careful and intentional in arranging the position of his two sons. Joseph's assumption of God's plan and his father's intention are reflected in this customary arrangement. On Joseph's left hand is Manasseh, and on the right hand is Ephraim. So that when he hands the boys over to Jacob, which is, you are sitting there, it worked out perfectly well. Such that Jacob's right hand, that is your right hand, will be upon Manasseh, the older one. And the left hand will be on Ephraim, the younger one. Ideal setting. Nice. Then came the problem. Jacob stretched out his right hand and laid it, <clears throat> and laid it on, the hand, on the head of Ephraim. And his left hand crossed over on the head of Manasseh. When Joseph saw the change of order, it displeased him, meaning Joseph was angry. While Joseph supposes this is just an old man's mistake, he tries to correct his father by moving Jacob's right hand away towards Manasseh. Joseph is reminding Jacob that Manasseh, the older, shall receive double portions of blessing due to him. But Jacob refused. Picture this. Jacob, 147 years old, dying man, but very persistent and stubbornly refuses to change his order. And here, Joseph, who is stronger, holding his feeble hand, trying to reverse we seem to see a consistent pattern of what is happening here throughout Genesis. A surprising reversal of the expected choice of the firstborn. Example, Seth instead of Cain, Isaac instead of Ishmael, Jacob instead of Esau, and now Ephraim instead of Manasseh. We also see a contrast spiritual condition in Isaac and Jacob's life when they pronounce blessings on their children. Genesis 27, verse 1 says, When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim, so that he could not see. Chapter 48, verse 10 says, Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age, so that he could not see. Similar physical condition, but different spiritual condition. Isaac, <clears throat> Isaac blessed his younger son Jacob without knowing who he was blessing. 
But Jacob knows who he was blessing, the younger Ephraim. Isaac's spiritual eye was blurred, but Jacob was clear. Jacob knows very well what he was doing, though it was against the cultural norm and against his most favoured son, Joseph. So when questioned by Joseph, these were the very words of Jacob. Look at verse 19. I know, my son, I know. Here we can see Jacob's conviction and determination in giving God's blessing to your younger Ephraim. He did it in God's sovereign way. We see the fulfillment of this blessing in Isaiah 7, verse 17, and Isaiah 11, verse 13, where Ephraim did grow larger and was more prominent than Manasseh, fulfilling Jacob's blessing where younger Ephraim received double portion. Ephraim was greater as a tribe, even to the point where the name of Ephraim was used to refer to the whole northern nation of Israel. We see God's will done according to His sovereign will. The world will have picked the natural choice, firstborn of a family, which is also widely accepted by the culture and the family. Yet God chose otherwise against human wisdom and choice. God's grace doesn't operate on the basis of human effort, but solely on God's sovereign will and way. Now we come to the second section of the outline, finish well for His glory. In the beginning of this sermon, I asked this question, what might your last words and actions turn out to be? What would they reflect about you? And the kind of impact would they have? If we ask these questions of Jacob, we see Jacob as a man who trusts and clings to God's promises, acknowledges God's grace and faithfulness, and also one who understands and submits to God's sovereign ways. This is a man who once told Pharaoh, that few and evil have been my, the days of my sojourning. Yet everything Jacob says here in chapter 48 flows from a heart expressing his trust and faith in God. And when we think about who Jacob is saying these things to, he's saying this thing to his son and grandchildren. A man, <clears throat> a man who so desires that God is loved, trusted, and glorified by the generations that will come after him. Jacob testifies to God's grace and mercy shown to him and blesses them in the name of this great God, his shepherd. Jacob displays the ways of God that are not man's way by putting Ephraim before Manasseh. Jacob assures the future generation of God's presence with them and urge them to keep trusting, trusting in Him. Look at verse 21. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I am about to die, 
but God will be with you and will bring you again to the land of your father. Look at how chapter 48 concluded. I am about to die, but God will be with you. God will bring you, will, not shall, or maybe. Jacob knows that his death is not the end, pointing his loved ones to God's faithfulness that he will continue his sanctification works to the next generation and beyond. How can we finish well like Jacob, brothers and sisters in Christ? In today's passage, we saw the results of God's sanctification works over the course of Jacob's life. And we saw him testifying about the living God, the God Almighty, God, his shepherd. But we mustn't wait till we are more settled in life or our problems are all resolved in order to start living for the Lord. I pray that God will give us the desire wherever we are now to live all the way to our last day, trusting in God, testifying to His graciousness and His faithfulness, and seeking to show others around us and after us that this God is worthy of our trust and worthy of our worship. We have been talking about Jacob all this while. Now allow me to talk about our very own members in the GBC that I know of or have brief encounter with them in the course of my ministry. One, I know of many brothers and sisters, though in not in the best of health, but still actively reach out to members in small practical ways. They love, care, and pray for those who are ill. They encourage church leaders to press on in their service for the Lord and even take effort to meet up with people for a cup of coffee, for fellowship, to mutually build up, mutually encourage one another. Then we have a senior saint whom I have the privilege to visit her in hospital. Though weak and suffering in pain, lying on the hospital bed with tubes all over her body, I held her hand as I read Psalm 23. And I could see her radiant face after I prayed for her, she responded with a big smile and wrote me a note as she couldn't talk or move at that moment. She only can write. These are the words of my senior saint. Tien Chai, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. She certainly has blessed my heart and I believe many others. In her moments of pain, suffering, she could still love and care for people like me. What a sister that we have among our midst. These are our senior saints that bear testimony on how one ought to live well and finish well for the Lord. I personally look to them as examples for me to imitate as they imitate Christ. How about you? How will your lives testify to our great God? 
How will our words and actions declare His faithfulness and encourage others to pursue Him? Let me suggest three applications. One, to the senior saints among us who are healthy and mobile, you have a role to play as a member of this church. The church, the body of Christ, needs you to come alongside the younger people to impart wisdom, share life experiences with them, and walk alongside them in this journey of faith. And for the older saints who may be frail or not in the best of health, you are still precious to God and the church cherishes you. Though you may not be able to pour your time and energy in service for God like you did in your younger days, there are still some things you could do. You can continue to pray for the needs of the church and her leaders. Continue to give faithfully for the gospel work. And continue, if possible, allow a small team to visit you, to connect with you, to fellowship, and to show love and care in practical ways. Do not say no. Do allow us to come to you. Turning to the young people among us, you may be diligently pursuing your career or aspirations, desiring to excel in the place that God has graciously put you in as His ambassador for the gospel's sake. Or perhaps you are making every effort to raise a family with the little ones that God has blessed you with. These things are good. However, I urge you, in the midst of doing all this, pursuing all this, do not forget your God who fills you with every good thing. Put God above all this and seek Christ and the things above. Please do not say, I have no time to walk with God. I have no time to serve Him even in the little ways that you are given opportunity to do so. And do not say, I have no time to worship in this church, to come together. Blessings are not meant to distract or draw us away from the giver of all good things, but to sanctify us so that we may know Him, love Him, and serve Him for His glory. Life on earth is more than just career, family, or even retirement security that Singaporeans are so familiar with. Life is all about living for Christ and Christ alone. What about us as Christian parents? We need to make an impact on our families like what is happening here in Genesis 48. We need to be intentional to inculcate Christian values to our children by teaching and guiding them in the way of the Lord. Not only with words, but with our lifestyle lived before their very own eyes. That they may imitate us as we imitate Christ. By God's grace and mercy, we shall walk alongside our children 
building strong convictions and taking stances according to God's way. To live well, my friends, is not to live a perfect life, but to live out our best for the Lord. We can't choose the day we are born, nor can we choose when we will die. But one thing we can choose, we can choose how we want to live this life on earth. Either a self-ruled life where we ourselves is the king or Christ's rule life where Christ is the king. Jacob did not live a perfect life, neither do we. He made many mistakes, many bad decisions, committed many sins. And so do we. But one thing Jacob did, he finished well. Jacob believed in his faithful God who graciously sanctifies him. Likewise, we who believe in this same God can put our faith in him. He is faithful to keep his promises and will see us through in this journey of faith. No matter how difficult it is, let us trust and cling to God's promises that he will see us through to finish well in the sight of God. God will graciously sanctify us for his glory. May the Lord Jesus say to each one of us, when our time on earth is up, we do not know when. May he say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. In conclusion, I want to leave you with the last words of the Apostle Paul writing to his spiritual son during his last days. He was awaiting his execution. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 to 8. For I am already been poured up as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to you and me, who love His appearing. Let us just pray. Our Father, as we hear of your word, as we look into your word, Father, we confess we are sinners. We are straight sheep in many areas of our life. We need healing. We need you to direct our path back to you. And Father, we recognize that it's beyond what we can do. But Lord, you can. You enable us with your Spirit that we may each day live for you. Father, help us to live well and finish well. Not for our own sake, but for Christ's sake, for your glory. 
And Father, till then, we, when we see you face to face, teach us each day, walk in step with you, depending on the power of the Spirit in us. Bless this church, Lord, as each one of us gather together, build up one another, encourage one another to live well, to finish well, regardless of our age. Thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.